So remember, I have jury duty this week. You can get out of that. I hope so, because it's in Manhattan. That seems far away. That's the worst. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm 150 miles from Manhattan. Oh. Except it's from my old address. Oh. It still sees you as, I guess, is that still marked as, like, your primary address in the city? I... I, I guess. I mean, I changed my driver's license, so I don't know like where they gather that information from. But I, hmm. I've been at that. Uh, I still have the address in the city, but it's no longer on my driver's license. Anyway, I've been there for 15 years or so at that address. No, 2008. 11 years? 11 years. Hmm. So I've been at that address for a while. So who knows? I'm sure these things don't change quickly. Anyway, Maybe what's up, guys? <laughs> hey, try. not much. What's Good up? morning. <laughs> Yeah, Morning. Look, look at this official thing they send you, and all over Ooh. it it says if you don't, if you do not uh, acknowledge this, we're going to come and handcuff you in your bed. That's what it says all over. <laughs> right, wow. right there in in all caps. We will handcuff you in your bed. <laughs> New York is rough, man. Yeah, <laughs> they try don't mess around. <laughs> well, welcome back, guys. How's everybody? Good, yeah, doing well. Good. Is this a woodworking yeah. podcast? This is just a this is just a maker podcast, right? This is a maker podcast, sure. yeah. Yeah. I saw that uh, Mark Spagnola posted last night that the longest running woodworking podcast is hanging it up. That's yeah. too bad. I listened to those guys. That's too bad. Did he give a reason why? I didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode yet. No. Or did, or did he did he post the last episode? I, I'm not or sure. Or did he just I, make I an not, announcement? I've not listened to it. I just saw the post on, on Twitter. and. Oh. Uh, yeah, because uh, I remember when I was just getting started in woodworking, it was that podcast, the Fine Woodworking Podcast, and the um, Modern Woodworkers Association. Like, I couldn't wait for those three podcasts to come out, and I got so much information out of them. Yeah. Mm. No, I learned a lot from Mark and those guys about paint finishes and just various tools and stuff, and uh, Shannon knows his, his business, so it's always good to hear the lumber update. So I wonder if either one of them will carry on. Um, I, I kind of flipped through the episode real quickly this morning before we started just to try to get an idea of, you know, what they covered and stuff. And it looked like they had a whole lot. There is there. an episode? So there is yeah, an episode? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just an announcement? Okay. Oh, no. There's a final episode. And there, it sounded like they were upbeat about it and, like, everybody's, you know, moving on to different stuff and everything. Uh, it sounded like everybody's schedules have just changed. I don't know. I didn't really hear the reasoning because I kind of skipped around just to get through it. But um, Matt Vanderlist was on there as well, so they had all four of them uh, for the final episode, and it was good. I mean, the parts I heard, they sound like they were all, you know, excited to keep doing what they're individually doing. I guess everybody's just busy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, publicly, I think all three of us want to say thank you to those guys for doing that show for so long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for kind of setting a precedent and for sharing a whole bunch of knowledge and I wish them all the best. And I hope they all end up back on a podcast at some point. <laughs> right. <laughs> Separately or together or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. This, this becomes a soundboard for all of us. And, you know, and I'm, I'm playing around with those other guys on that other podcast. And, and uh, Bob, you have another podcast. So it becomes a soundboard. I guarantee you they'll probably miss it. They might not miss shuffling around trying to make time, but a place to actually talk yeah. publicly and just talk about discoveries and a little bit of therapy for everybody involved. So. Maybe they'll end up somewhere back again. Yeah. But regardless, thank you to those guys and wish them the best. Well, uh, what else is up? 
What do you other than jury duty? I mean, what do you, what do you <laughs> Well, this week I I'm more, I have I've kind of overextended myself. It's kind of part of what we're going to talk about today. I've committed to like 18 videos this month. Not really 18, but like seven. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of videos. In a month. <laughs> and you a can't couple do of 18 keep... videos and jury duty on a short month. Oh my god! That's and true. workbench con too. Oh, oh my man. god! Every month I'm like, you know, like you know, like when you get out of bed, and you're like. Ah, it's Monday. I don't have anything to do today. No. You know what happens to me? What? 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 I mean, besides what are your Mondays like? Besides, no, but I'm saying that never happens anymore. Is what the point I'm making. And now oh. it's like now it's become like ah, it's March. Oh wait, March. I got to do this. I got to do that. You know what I mean? It's supposed to be in just like a day or part of a week. Now it's like a month. It's like oh, I have nothing to do in April. Oh wait, no, I have to do this. I have to do the class. I might go to LA. Oh God, forget it. So it's like. You start thinking in terms of like, oh, too many things to do. But uh, what am I up to? I, I I cast this belt buckle last night. I Instagrammed about it. It's very exciting for me because it's the first time I cast brass. And I, I had all these, these roadblocks in my head about the whole process. I've watched enough of people doing it on YouTube. And I finally got to the getting last night, which we're going to talk a little bit more about. And I had a successful cast. I mean, it wasn't 100% perfect. But for my very first one, I didn't expect to get anything. And just like I always say, I'm just... Looking for a reference point. I just want to do something and see what happens, know what I need to do better, what I don't need to worry about. And so that's really what I was going for last night. I filmed, you know, it's like I filmed the rehearsal and I got some pretty good results. And I will make more. I don't want it to be just about casting one object in this particular video. There'll be several. So I will make more. So I'll have chances to do several different takes of the same process. So that, and then I I found this old printing press, a little, it's called an Excelsior. Of course uh, you found Kelsey. an old printing press. <laughs> I have so many now. <laughs> um, I found this, a little, it's little though, it's a desktop one. And oh. it's, it's called the uh, Kelsey Excelsior 5x8. And it's a little, it works exactly the same way as others, but it's a lever. So you pull the lever down. Every time you pull the lever down, it makes a print as opposed to having the flywheel. And it's a desktop unit, probably made in 1910, 1920. And I saw it at an antique shop, and it was just completely rusty, covered with flaky lead paint. And I dismantled it. I did like a traditional, like modern day YouTube restoration, like you see a couple channels doing, including Eric. So I did kind of like that. But I also went on McMaster Car last night. I found stuff to potentially make the rollers out of. Bought new springs and stuff just to kind of make it look pretty. It's going to look really pretty when I'm done. It's one from a total rusty pile of S to a beautiful Mm. operating machine, which, of course, I'm going to actually make postcards on to finish the video. So I ordered my, my printing plates last night. So I'm excited about that because there was another little hurdle in that too, which I just kept overanalyzing and saying, what is the best way? How am I going to do this? What should I do? And that just also kept getting in my way. So, um, but anyway, I got that done. It's, it's not done yet, but I'll put it together and, uh, and that's it. I'll, I'll, I'll pass the mic to you, David. So last week, Dan and I, sort of invented a new jointing sled we were uh, we were making a video and we were, the video was going to be about if you don't have a joiner you can do this and the the original plan when we started the day was we're going to do two different sleds one for uh face joining a board through the planer and another sled to edge join a board on the table saw and then like right when we were getting we finished the first one and Dan kind of said, hey, if you don't put a runner on there and use your table saw funds, you can use the same sled. And we sat there and we thought about it for a little bit. 
make sure it was safe. And then we're like, yeah, let's let's do that. And so it's one sled for two different machines, and it worked out great. I'm not saying we invented it, but I've never seen anybody else do this this sled. <laughs> and it's got a great reaction. It's one of my faster-growing videos, which is always interesting because it brings in an audience who doesn't know me who... Um, like to voice their opinion about things so that's always fun but uh <laughs> <laughs> is uh, it now <laughs> uh, so yeah that that video went great and the sled works super awesome i gotta cut it i made it just a little bit too big where it doesn't store where i want to store it so i'm gonna cut the edge off but uh yeah it's it's great having dan in the shop while i'm working because it's just a, another set of eyes and brains to think things through so and then this week we're doing uh, some screen printing. I want to. I got some project ideas in the future where we screen print designs on some of the woodworking. Like there might be like a credenza, and the front sliding doors might have a screen printed design on the front. And so this week we're kind of doing an intro to screen printing for wood and paper. We're not doing textiles or any kind of shirts because there's there's. Same process, but different um, different supplies that you need. And I did my my test last night. I haven't. I used to do screen printing in my bathroom at my old apartment back in like 1997. And then when I went to school for graphic design, there was a screen printing class. So it's been 20 years. And the screen printing class, we had like big exposure units, and um, everything was kind of automated. And when I was doing it in my bathroom in my apartment, there was no internet at the time or the like the internet as we know it now. And it was I had so much issue like exposing the screen was was so hard. And so I did my first test yesterday, and it came out absolutely perfect. I'm like I'm super happy. I'm like, yes, this is this is gonna work great. So this week we're gonna screen print some some posters, and we're gonna do the. Uh, I'm gonna take some inspiration from Jimmy. And I think we're going to do a run of 100 of this particular poster and sell them online. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So we've been, last night I also experimented with different papers. Um, It's, I wanted to find paper in my town. We have an art supply store called the Art Supply Depot and they only have so much. And so I picked up some um, printing paper, which is I think more for block printing. And then some Bristol paper and some watercolor paper to see. And I had, I did some tests, and it looks like the um, the the print paper took the ink, the acrylic ink, the best. Uh, but it's also crazy expensive. The Bristol paper, I think, after looking at it today, at first it started to curl up, but it kind of, it flattened out. So I think we're going to go with that. It seemed to to work well. And then while we're getting ready for the podcast, Jimmy gave me a great source for paper, which is French something. What is it? French paper. Frenchpaper.com. Yeah. I was kind of flipping yep. through while we were talking here. And That's where I'm getting the paper for all my prints is at French paper. Yeah. This looks like their website's really well done. It's very modern and looks like they have a lot of cool stuff. So thank you for that. I think Brett, Brett might have turned me on to that because Brett used to work at a print shop years ago. And he said that's where they would get all their material from, too. And when you order paper from them, it comes in this really cool box with a beautiful graphic on it, and the box is reusable. So oh. It's really cool hmm. stuff, yeah. Sweet. I haven't done any printing in a very long time, so it'd be fun to get back into that. I did watch your, your posters your video. in. 
Oh yeah, I watch both of your videos of your your T-shirt press and then your oh, yeah. your basic screen printing. And I'm like, I don't know the guy in these videos because <laughs> they're really really old. Yeah, that's super uncomfortable, Bob, with no beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't done any printing in a while. It's fun though. I like it. I had some good luck. Um, I guess around that same time that I made that first uh, the press, I got commissioned to do these like. Um, whiskey box like whiskey carriers things for this company locally when i was in savannah and uh ended up doing some screen printing on the side of wood like we i built these rustic like these pallet boxes to hold the bottles and then screen printed on the rough surface and it was like you know if you if you print it on a nice surface and then you use that piece of wood for 20 years it would be all rough and whatever but you can also just print on a rough surface and it gives the same effect Mm. it's it's not logical because all the high points have ink whereas the low points should have ink but you know you still get that kind of distressed look um anyway i had a lot of luck with that and then i also screen printed on these little aluminum plates uh with their logo and like some award things and then riveted those into the wood and that turned out really cool it was like a nice small detail just to have this really professional aluminum plate with black ink on it you know so you can print on just about anything. You just have to make sure that you can fix the ink onto the surface. You know, Might you flake to, you have off. To cover it with something. Yeah, you have to cover it with something to kind of lock it in. So one of the things um, I I did a test on some non-sanded just Baltic birch plywood, and it does want to bleed a little bit, which not a big deal. Um, our friend Joseph, how do we say his last name? Minch? Is it Minch? Joseph Minch? Remember Joseph? Oh. Jimmy's saying it, but he's muted, so oh. you can't hear him. Oh. <laughs> no, I said it correctly. Hold on, I'm going to say it again. Did you hear it? <laughs> no, just, I think it's Munch, Munch. Okay, so he was like, hey, you could shellac the surface. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to uh, yeah. attack me. I'm yeah. sorry, Joe, you know I love you. <laughs> we um, talk often. He said you could, uh, I, I wanted to print on wood, but it was bleeding a little bit, which is going to be fine. He's like, you could shellac the surface. I'm like, oh, that's great. But I think... And like, if I want to do it on the doors of this credenza where I have this like diamond pattern printed on there, um, my thought is, and tell me if, if there's a better way to go about it, it's just to sand it smooth, maybe raise the grain, sand it smooth, do the print. And then I do want oil to go on to the, to the wood. Cause it's going to be like a walnut or a mahogany and then uh, a clear coat of something over top of that. I I guess just do a test really is the best yeah. way to do it. Do a test on on naked wood and then I prepare two samples: wood that has like a sanded, like a sand and seal on it, or or whatever the finish you're going to use. Just give a light coat to the wood, mm-hmm. sand it. I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday uh, with Derek. He's V carving something, then spray painting it, and then sanding off the paint. But the paint bleeds into the wood, so the letters around the the V carved letters have paint bleeding into the flat surface. The way I solve that on a lot of the bullet bourbon signs that I've made over the years is do your V-carve, paint the whole thing with polyurethane, let it dry, then spray it with black, and then palm sand it off. Because then the polyurethane Mm -hmm. seals all the open grain. So, again, just do a little layer of polyurethane that might keep the paint from bleeding. And if you're using like a thick, uh, like an acrylic, acrylic tends to kind of stay right where you push it. If it's a little bit watery, then that's what it'll bleedy. But if it's like peanut buttery type of 
acrylic and you push it through a silk screen and then you lift it up, it kind of tends to have like a little square edge to it microscopically and it, it doesn't tend to bleed. Are you using a water-based silk screen paint? Like a poly, uh, like a- It's an acrylic. Like an acrylic, yeah, yeah. It, it, this is counterintuitive, but sometimes I let the paint dry a little bit and it gets a little like, uh, like I said, almost like kind of like toothpaste. And when you push it through the screen, when you pick the screen up, you have the the paint has a little raised edge to it, which is kind of cool. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Oh, so it's yeah, almost I mean, you kind of you kind of want your ink to be like that anyway. You don't yeah. want your ink to be wet and runny because yeah. it it won't have a clean print. Yeah, yeah. And then if there's any like water, you want it to be like peanut butter, kind of a little bit like creamy peanut butter, so that it stays. No chunks, no chunky peanut butter. No, no, no nuts. No nuts in the peanut butter. <laughs> no, uh, definitely what, not. You're screen bringing. Why does creamy peanut butter make you laugh, Bob? <laughs> just, it, no, it was just the thought of like somebody taking a screen and then trying to push peanut butter gotcha. through the screen with a squeegee. It's just, I don't know. Mm, now I might especially, if it, especially if it was crunchy, that would just be even funnier. <laughs> then you got to get a really coarse mesh just if you can do that. Yeah, yeah, it's like a two by three mesh, yeah. big <laughs> giant holes in it. Anyway, um, we'll see. You get anything else, Dave? That's I don't it. Want to cut you off. That's it. All good. Um, so I have been building cabinets, which isn't super interesting, but we uh, I got this sponsorship for a projector, 4K projector, and so for a long time they've been waiting on me to build some cabinets, and so we had these built-ins in our living room that my granddad built a long, long time ago. And they, uh, all the trim work on them was like straight out of the eighties, uh, you know, with a router. So it had like this rounded top edge with like a squared off bead underneath it. Anyway, it was just very dated looking. And these shelves were made for an old tube TV, like a Hmm. 18 inch tube TV or whatever. So there was this inset and so when we moved into the house to put our TV on this little ledge, I had to actually like take a sawzall and cut out like three of the shelves <laughs> just to be able to like set it there. So, you know, they've been working fine as shelves, but they're dated and there's a big chunk cut out of them. So I finally tore them all out, um, rebuilt some new kind of basic cabinetry, four cabinets across the bottom and then built in shelves above it all the way up. But it's made to fit our TV and the sound bar. The cabinets on the bottom are made to fit all the game systems we have and this projector, which is a really cool projector. It's an awesome product. But then, uh, so I pushed all this back. It's in a, it's kind of weird. It's in like this almost island in our house. Like it's not up against a wall. There's a walkway behind it, like a hallway. So there were shelves on the front and the back of it. And so that gave me room to be able to push this whole shelving unit back three inches Mm -hmm. So that up above it, I had a little slot that was hidden away that I could put a screen. So I have a retractable 110-inch movie screen hidden up in the ceiling. And I tested it out last night, got it mounted, got the projector out, and pulled the screen down. It is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. How, how big I of mean, a screen I love movies. I love watching movies. It's 110 inches. That's it. We have 110 inch too. We don't have it's not a 4K, but it's so it feels like you're at the movie theater. I know. It's huge. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like way bigger. And like I ordered it and I looked at it on the ground, you know, in the box. And I'm like, that's pretty big. But then when you see it on the wall with like a picture on it, like, whoa. That's we got, um, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, in, no, go ahead. in our, uh, we don't know what to call this room. It was an addition to the house by the previous owners. So we, 
we put in a projector and a screen and we got the kind of screen that allows you to put your speakers behind it. So our center speaker is right behind the screen because it allows the, the sound to go through. And then the room has surround sound system built in and they left their surround sound stereo. So it's, wow. I'm sorry. I don't mean to brag, but it's just a really cool feature of our house. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And we had a surround sound system. This is way off topic. We had a surround sound system in our old house because we had a crawl space. And so it was easy to drill holes in the floor to go, you know, make the wiring go underneath the floor. And so it was easy to have rear speakers in this house. Uh, my shop is underneath that room, but there's a ceiling in here. So I can't actually do that. I couldn't run wires. So I, I spent a lot of time looking for a wireless solution for surround sound and found a really awesome uh, wireless. This, the rear speakers actually plug into the sound bar on the sides and they charge there. And then when you want to listen to them as rear, you just snap them off. With They have magnets on them. You snap them off and go set them where you want them. And they work great. Anyway, so the sound bar is, is right behind the screen as well. Same kind of deal. All that to say, I've been building cabinets and painting a whole bunch because it was like we you know, built these in units and then in the garage I set up like a kind of spray booth and a bunch of drop cloths and uh, sprayed all the pieces. And yesterday I finally got it all kind of brought in, installed. It's, it's almost finished. It's not quite, but we got to finish up today. So that's what I've been working on. And... Uh, you kind of brought it up earlier, Jimmy, and I think that's what we're going to talk about today, but I have been doing these bigger projects. You know, we, we did two different room renovations over the last couple of months, and then this kind of big build in the living room, which wasn't a complicated build, but it's just a large thing. And so I've been doing all these bigger things, and I'm really anxious to get back to do some small stuff, especially some things that I could build in a day or something that, you know, I can stand in one place and work on for just a, a little while, just to get back to that. It's been a while since I've done that. So I was coming up with some of those ideas and we were talking about the schedule the other day. And basically we have the next several weeks scheduled with sponsors, which is fantastic for the business, but it's also a bit overwhelming. And I'm realizing that I'm over committing myself to stuff uh, without really doing it intentionally. Like it's not I'm not worried about having a sponsor every week or anything like that, but we've just had some really awesome opportunities come up over the next couple of months. And it's, it's super hard to be like, no, I don't want to do that really cool thing that everybody that watches will be like, whoa, that's an awesome opportunity. You know, I don't want to turn those things down. But then when I step back and look at the next two months, I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> like I, I may have overdone it a little bit. Um, so I'm trying to figure out exactly at this point, how to deal with that, uh, whether it's just going to be another couple of months of just working overtime and just trying to get it all done, or if I need to try to defer some of it or back out of some of it or change some of it, you know, I'm not sure. I always think you could just stay up a couple of nights. That's, that's what I always think. I always think like, I'll just pull a few all-nighters if I have to and just keep my face off camera because I'll look tired. <laughs> Yeah, I get a lot of those comments. Are you feeling okay? You don't look well. <laughs> I, I, I would think the same thing generally. Like, and and if I were, um, if I had time at my house by myself, I would do that same thing. And when my family's been out of town, that's what I do. I work all the time. 
But with the kids and, you know, with responsibility with them and needing to be – Of course. Not exhausted all the time for them <laughs> yeah, and having to right, get up right. at 6 o'clock for school and stuff. Um, that idea of just, like, working myself ragged until it's all done, like, I, I just can't – I mean, I can do it, but I know logically I, sh- like, should not do that anymore. Do you see now. it? Do you, have you seen a lot of talk about YouTube burnout? There's a lot of advertisements. I mean, a lot of articles written about YouTube burnout. Yeah, I have, and I've like actively avoided watching those videos for some reason. I'm not sure <laughs> you should watch the Casey Neistat one. Um, I was just getting okay. ready to throw a link here. Um, he he talks about why the burnout happens, and he says it in a very elegant way. Of people like people. Will, you assume, and people will assume, like, you have this amazing job. How can you get burnout? People have to work, you know, in factories, and they have um, crappy jobs that they have to go to every day. You should be happy that you have this uh, opportunity. And um, and he explains why burnout still happens, and there's a, uh, there's a psychiatrist that he references in, in the article. But one of the reasons that burnout happens is because we have this opportunity, and um just like, like you said bob you don't want to say no you don't want to say no like these like this this might not be here forever so i gotta say yes to all these things i can't say like i'm so privileged to have these companies come to me and offer me money and to do the thing that i love to do so don't say no just keep doing it and then it turns into uh burnout and he, i i said we'll throw a link in the in the description it's a good video even if you're not a creator you might understand burnout a little bit more and i I honestly feel this way since i'm an adult (laughs) i'm constantly working i work 24 hours a day i guess since since i honestly stopped drinking the year i turned 20 i stopped drinking alcohol from about 14 to 20 i drank alcoholically many people may or may not know that about me and uh i started going to aa when i was about 20 and i went to AA for a couple of years i stopped going but i'm still sober all this time and since I became sober, like, right, like in, I can, I really pushed myself into school and I, I've just been working, I guess you might say, all day, every day since then, pretty much. And, uh, you know, I've had some really big wins in my life and, you know, I've lost some stuff and I've gone up and down financially a few times. I've been around the world a bunch of times due to the work that I've created and I, I have no regrets. And now, as far as burnout goes, in the YouTube environment, I'm just basically doing the same thing that I've always done, but now I'm just focusing on different kind of work. So I'm always on the verge of burning out, but it's all work that I enjoy doing. So sometimes your plate just gets too full and you do have to push some things off of that plate to make more room for your health and friends and family. Yeah. I, I've, I definitely have felt the burnout thing. And I think we talked about it a couple of months ago. You know, I've felt it overwhelm. Like, I don't think of it as burnout. I don't know. This is semantics, maybe, but I, th- I think of burnout as like you are you are out of steam, you are out of the gumption to keep going forward, and you really just have to back off for a while to kind of refuel. Um, and that's different in my mind than just being overwhelmed with what you have in front of you to accomplish. And I think that's where what I feel more often, and that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. And I'm not I'm not upset about it. It's just like logically, I'm trying to figure it out right now. I'm looking at all of the opportunity and I'm not worried about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm not exhausted by it. It's just a lot, you know? And so I'm looking at all these things, like how do I build? I wish I could tell you what it is that I'm work. These opportunities are because <laughs> you would understand why I can't turn them down. 
Um, but I can't yet. Uh, anyway, but like, I, I'm just looking at all these things and I'm like, I can't not do that. Like, that's awesome. I have to do that one and I have to do that one and I have to do that one. There are only so many hours in a day, you know, and there are only so many people that I have access to and time and just all these, you know, so I don't know. It's not, I, I don't, I don't mean to, to paint that in like, oh, poor me. I'm so busy. Like, I don't want to be seen as the person who complains about being busy because I create my own schedule. Um, it's more of just trying to figure out how to, uh, to schedule keep on track and also when to say no. Like the other day, my dad, who's retired, he's a retired dentist. He said something to the effect of like, you know, one of the things that's really cool about being retired is you can say no to stuff anytime you want to. And I was like, <laughs> huh. But the thing that made me think, like he was joking with me, but the thing that I realized was like, that's also the same with, you know, being self-employed. Maybe it's a little bit different because you still have, you know, stuff that you're responsible for. You still have to pay salaries, your own salary. You still have to make enough money to do this and that, whatever. But I do have the capability to say no and to say, even this is a great opportunity, it's just going to put too much on me or on my team or on my family or, you know, like the reward is not really worth the stress or the exhaustion that goes along with it. And so that's something for me, I have to figure out. Um, I can say no, I think I need to figure out the scale at which I'm, I'm checking against. So like when a new opportunity comes in, what is it like, what's my, how do I say this? What's my level of, of overwhelm that is okay. And what's the level that I need to avoid? You know what I mean? Like I need, I need that like description. So when a new opportunity comes in, I can say like, does this make it too much? Does this make it not enough? Like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Something you can think, always reference. Like you always yeah, exactly. check against yeah, that. I, yeah. yeah. I, I couldn't figure out how to say that, but yeah, that. So that I have that thing, I can check it and be like, nope, that's going to be too much. As cool as it is, I just can't take it on. I know I need to do that with travel because I travel too much and I commit myself to too many things, you know, to go do. Um, so and I, I got to figure that out. But in the short term, over the next couple of months, I've already made commitments. I just have to figure out how to pull them off, <laughs> how to actually make them happy, ha happen, happen and happy. Jimmy, you said that you have committed to 18, 90, <laughs> how many videos this month? Oh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have eight videos on my, my plate. I've already started two. And they're all not critical. I mean, I'm not getting paid for any of these. They're all just ideas that I've committed to either partnerships or for people. I'm making a sign for a friend. And, I, and I'm already a year late on that. I keep blowing it off only because I don't have the right equipment to make the way we discussed making it. And, uh, you know, one thing for, for a paid advertisement, another sign. So... And, and nobody's giving me hard deadlines. It's just me putting my own pressure on myself. So when I really analyze it, I'm not quite as under the gun as I feel like I am. And uh, yesterday I got two big hurdles out of the way. So two of these are kind of off the list right now. The videos. Every time I shoot, I, I come home with the footage, put the chip in the computer, spend about 
10 to 15 minutes for whatever video I'm working on and just drop it in the timeline, do a really quick rough edit. So it's all ready to go. So every night I come home with a chip with any information on it, I immediately edit. It's the first thing I do when I come home. Even when it looks like I'm not editing, I tell Taylor, I said, oh, I'm just downloading, but I'm like jumping through the timeline, <laughs> cutting, chopping, speeding up. And I'm, so I always have a rough cut, a pretty fine rough cut on the, on the fly. So when the video is done, when the, when the material is being done, being made or restored or whatever it is, that last beauty shot goes right into the timeline. The video is done. So I always build the video as I'm working most of the time. So the work, a lot of the hard work is kind of behind me on those two videos is the point I'm making. Anything I do is always, it's always like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's Monday <laughs> and I have to spend three days in the city this week. <laughs> So I really have a lot of work to do today and tomorrow. And the bullet bourbon signs, I have to send through. Uh, we have 25 signs. We got five that are in boxes. Now I have to make, by the time, by the end of today, we'll have about 15 completely done. And uh, they're doing it, they're going in phases too. So like they're all at the same phase pretty much. They're getting wired now and then got to put a bezel on the back. So they're moving along fairly swiftly. So it's not like I'm making one sign and then I got to look behind me and say, oh, I got 24 more to make they're all kind of in the same phase of being finished and now we're just doing the final finishing on them which which also takes time so i have that pressure too and uh that's that's a big payday so i'm looking forward to getting that done and then i gotta immediately start on other signs for them and then not necessarily videos they're, they're just real jobs so and then i'm confronted with they offered me bullet bourbon is doing a new visitor center somewhere in the world. I don't know where. And they, they want me to help make all the parts for that at the same exact time. I'm supposed to go do the NBC TV show. And so now I'm confronted with that, which probably bullet probably pay a lot more than the, the NBC gig, believe it or not. And I have to really hunker down and decide what I'm going to do. So got to see what's happening with that. So all this coming up. And then I have jury duty. I can go sit in jury duty and just veg out. <laughs> I'm actually, you know what? I'm going to sign up for jury duty. Can I go to jury duty? I think the, the yeah. way we're all wired is we love being busy. We like having something to do at all times. Yeah. It just it feels uh, fulfilling and, and creative. Like I, I no longer feel guilty when I'm hanging out with, I don't. I, I no longer feel anxious. I, I should say when I'm hanging out with Kelly for watching a movie or we're doing something together. Like I'm in that moment. But when I do get the guilty anxiousness is when she goes to bed and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch a movie and I'll start watching a movie, but I'm not doing anything. I'm just watching <laughs> a movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I got to be doing something. I'm not. I'm not moving forward because I'm watching this movie. Then the anxiety kicks in. And the next thing I know, I, I move into the office and I'll have the movie up on the little corner on the screen and I'm designing the next project or, you know, I'm, I'm researching. So that's what I find myself <laughs> yeah. doing quite a bit. You know what? The best way to multitask and it happened by accident. So the end of the year, my accountant called me. He says, if you need any equipment, go spend some money so you have some tax write off. So I went and I bought, not bragging, I bought four computers from Apple. I bought myself a laptop. I bought Taylor and iPad, and I bought two uh, iMac Pros desktop units, one for her, one for me. And so I bought four computers. And so now in my house here, I have the computer that I always had covered with stickers. That's what I'm talking on now. Near the 3D printer, I have another beautiful brand new laptop, which I'm getting to know. And then I have an iMac Pro set up in my kitchen, which I set up on Christmas and I haven't moved it. It's just there. And 
I'm going from room to room on one thing I have Photoshop going, on another <laughs> thing I have the 3D printer going, on another wow. computer I have Maya going. And so I'm literally going from room to room. I'm like moving this project along a little bit, going in there making this Maya model for my friends at the American Rotary sign. And then I'm going in there and then I got, I got the 3D printer going. I'm making sure that's this moving. And the other night, I'm at, I'm at this big computer, and something was rendering. So I open my little computer. So I'm like, and I keep grabbing the mouse from my little computer, and I'm like, why isn't this working? I'm like, oh wait, that's for the other computer. <laughs> so multitasking. I honestly thought I just like put one computer on the shelf and use it when I needed it because the other one was was dying. The, the one I'm on now is like six or seven years old, and every once in a while, when I run Photoshop or Illustrator, it just shuts off. Wait a second. So you bought four computers and you're still using the old computer? Yep. This, it's not Bob. It's not the old computer. That's the Skype computer. Then he has a Photoshop computer oh. and a Maya computer. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair he enough. doesn't yeah. want to. He doesn't want to install more than one software. Did I say Maya? Program. I keep saying Maya. I meant to say Fusion Three Sixty. Uh-uh. Okay. I was yeah. wondering if you were still working in Maya. That would be impressive. <laughs> I meant to say Fusion. Uh, I'm getting really good at Fusion. I'm really practicing and and. Del- delving into uh, Lars Christensen's videos and and my buddy Kevin's videos, Kevin Ellingson, uh, Mechanical Advantage, and I'm really learning a lot, and I'm just challenging myself. So that's another thing that's been going on quite a bit behind the scenes. What's the what's been your process for getting better at Fusion? Are you just picking projects and then learning what you need for that project? Do you have yeah. a different path? That's it. Okay. No, that's it. I okay. mean, just look at an object in the room. Like, how would you make this? And I'm going to hold up my teaspoon. How would you make that? How would you do that? And you got to ask yourself, how do I do that? I have no idea how I would do this. I have no idea. I'm usually picking more square objects and signage and stuff. But that is how I've been challenging myself. I just pick up an object and say, okay, how would I approach this? And then when I get hmm. – the, the creative creativity comes in trying to search YouTube for exactly what you need to figure out. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden you're in a rabbit hole of like nonsense that you don't need. And there's one guy that does fusion who's got the most horrible accent. I can't understand anything he says. And uh, Lars usually has the best answers, Lars Christensen, and he's great. And, uh, and Kevin Ellingson, he just doesn't do as many videos as he should. It's mechanical advantage. He teaches at the John Saunders classes when, it goes, when you're going mm-hmm. from Fusion to Torma. And uh, Kevin's a friend of mine. And so is Lars. But uh, just you just got to keep cornering yourself with things that you can't figure out. So the way I got with Fusion, like I was, I didn't get it for a long time. Then I jumped in kind of deep and spent a whole lot of time in there for a short amount of time. And I learned what I needed. And now like I can get around, I can make something in Fusion, but my, my growth on it, you know, the, the new things that I was learning, the new techniques kind of plateaued because I didn't have to be challenged with Mm -hmm. anything. And so I guess I'm at a point with that where I want to learn it more. I want to be, I want it to be more of a second nature kind of thing, but I don't really make the time to practice it. I try to use it for the thing that I actually need. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I need to make those set of shelves. So I'm going to do it in fusion, not like I should learn some new tools. So I'm just going to go fiddle around. I think I don't have enough R and D time. What you need to do is commit to a class. Like either mm-hmm. on, online where you actually pay for or physical, like you go away for a weekend and you're just thrown into it and you have no choice but to, to learn it. That's a good yeah. thing because right in the beginning of the new year, one of my uh, resolutions was to learn fusion among other things. And I said, all right, let me start as if I know nothing and I'll go to the fusion 
website and just take their tutorial, their basic tutorial. And I got through about seven lessons before I just started meandering and doing my own thing. But those seven lessons were pretty strong. And I learned a lot, like how to save a file and, you know, how to go backwards in a file and versions. I mean, I'm not super practiced at it, but now I have a better understanding of when I save a file, I just save it. I don't know where it is. I have to dig for it. Now I know kind of where to put it. Because Fusion has a really complicated library if you want to save something. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so the, lots of little things like that. So if you just go through that tutorial, you'll learn yeah. a lot. Even if you and already I mean, know, have... even if you already know. Something. And there, so um, Mike and Lauren, um, who don't really make videos anymore, but they used to. Anyway, at one point they made a, a Fusion course and it was like learn Fusion 360 for woodworkers or something. And that was when I first got started in Fusion. So I was like, oh, I'll support them. I'll pay for this course. I'll run through it, learn anything that I don't already know. And the thing that I liked about that course was that Mike had done the research and had learned how to how to do this thing. So he was telling you, here's how you create this project. And he'd walk you through, teach you some tools. Then Lauren would watch his video. And so there was a second video of her trying to build the project that he described. And she would talk about the actual problems that she had, even after watching his lesson. And that was kind of cool because it wasn't just a person going, this is what you do. This is what you do. There was somebody else trying to learn it next to you. Hmm and said, well, I couldn't, I didn't really understand how he said this, and this is what I found out. So it was a cool way to do a course. I did a couple of the lessons in that format, and it was, I had already learned past that point, and so I kind of never got back around to finishing that course. There may be more in there that I should learn, I don't know. Um, But I think that would be my problem with buying another course, is that I would lose interest before it got to the stuff that I didn't know. So going away to a class might be a good idea. That might be a good way to force myself into a place where I can't, <laughs> I can't get away from it. <laughs> you know, hmm. just got to like sit there until I get through it all. Cause it's such a powerful tool. And I mean, like we use it all the time, but I, Josh will be modeling something while I'm building something or, you know, so a lot of the actual work in fusion, I don't, touch or like I'll do an initial sketch and and then hand it off and then it gets refined, um, which is fine. Josh is really good at it, but it's a skill that I don't want to not have. You know, I don't want to rely on somebody else to be able to do the finished, the fine stuff. I want to be able to do the whole thing if I need to. And then for scheduling, if I need to pass it off to somebody, that's a different thing. You're muted, Jimmy. No, yeah, I I know though. It's good that I'm muted because I always talk over everybody. Uh, So... But another really good way, me and Kevin Lazat over Christmas hung out together. And the two of us, there with our laptops open. He was building something in Fusion, and I was building something in Fusion. And he's really good at Fusion. I see some of the complicated models he makes. And I still taught him like five things. And he taught me like 20 things. So sit with somebody, make a model with them while they're either making something completely different or you're making something. That's a great way to learn. I mean, I I came away from just hanging out with him. The two of us were like, wow, that was fun. So sit with somebody that uses the same program and then just banter back and forth while you're both figuring things out. That, that was, that was a great lesson. I'd need to do that more. So Kevin, Mm. next time you come, bring your computer again, we'll do the same thing. (laughs) So that was, that was a good learning experience. Well, let me know next time he comes, maybe I'll come up because I still need to learn a bunch of stuff from him as well. Oh Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, We're going to get seven bridge ports. We're going to do a bridge port summer class. (laughs) Sweet. 
Um, well, back to the the overwhelm or uh, overcommitment thing. Have you guys? Do you have any tips for people to not do that? Do you have any? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> don't at, feel least, like us. at least Jimmy and I are. Yeah, at least Jimmy and I are talking about that we we're right in the middle of feeling overcommitted. Right. Um, but like, is there anything that we could offer up to people as a way to avoid that? Well, uh, I, I've said this, and somebody requoted me the other day. I saw it on Instagram or somewhere. Just do the task at hand. You know, just uh, I mean, aside, well, if you feel like you've committed and you can't get out of it, that's one way. Just do what you got to do. And I talked a little bit about this before we got started. Was yesterday morning? I woke up and I said, I have to do these three things, but let me wait till the time is right. And then by the end of the day, I had approached and tackled those things. For instance, um, I wanted to get all the paint off of this antique printing press. And I thought the best way to do that would be to sandblast it. But my sandblaster is too small. I have a little sandblaster box. So I said, let me just go to tractor supply. So I went to tractor supply and I ended up buying this like sandblasting drum that you do outside. You do it in the open air where you're not going to sandblast your car windshield by accident. You do it away from everything. And I, I ended up buying it and I set it up and I'm like, I'll do that tomorrow. Cause I kept being confronted with a little bit of fear. And I was like, I had that duality and I had the voice man saying, just do it now. It's already set up. Just do it now. And I'm like, yeah, but I got to go get coffee. Just do it now. And I'm like, no, but I got to go feed the dog. You know, this is what was going on in my head. So I said, all right, it's only going to take a few minutes. So I set it up. I put my gear on and I did it and it worked perfect. And now that's out of the way. And the same thing later in the day with the casting. I set up the casting and I said, well, do it tomorrow when you have Brett to help you. Oh, you know what? All you got to do is just melt the metal. All you're doing is melting metal and pouring it. All you're doing is pouring like liquid into a mold. There's nothing complicated there. Yeah, but you're going to set yourself on fire. Well, just do the do it safely. <laughs> you know, this is the conversation <laughs> I was having in my head. And I said, all right, let me try it. Let's do it at the open door. So in case there's a problem, it won't be actually inside the building. Okay, that's a good idea. And I did it and I went through it. But I was having this inner dialogue the whole time. And I got those things off my list. So just confronting things and doing them, it's just not much different than all we ever say. But I guess the point is, is no matter how much you, you try and convince yourself of that, you still have that. I still have that in me where I always have like excuses to get out of things. And then when you do excuses to get out of things, your list just keeps staying there. You know, you understand what I mean? Yeah. I think um, it doesn't go away. The One of the best things you can do is, write things down or type things out so you can visualize it and then you can prioritize things. If you can see what you need to do, you can rearrange things and just work <laughs> on what, what, yeah. Look at my to-do list. Look at how, look at how non-committal that is. It's all <laughs> chicken scratch. I can't even read what I wrote. That's my today's to-do list. I can't then, even read what I wrote. I would, I would take that. I would, I would cut those little pieces out and then uh, rearrange it and just, Get done what has to be done now. It, it, just the the visual of seeing what you have to do can be a big relief. That's true. I sometimes I avoid writing my list down because I don't want to have to see it. These are all like <laughs> these are all little like psychosis that I have. Like I don't write them down because I don't want to know what I have to do. Yeah. And then like when my brain says, "Oh, don't forget this. This is the most important thing right now." I'm like, oh, "Okay, let me put that fire out right now." And then I go and I'll go do it. And uh, it's just. It's so funny. It never gets easy <laughs> for me, anyway. I, it's, it seems like the most successful people, maybe the most vocal successful people, are the ones that are just crazy busy and always have like ten fires going at the same time. And I don't. I wonder if if we see that and we think success is being busy. 
Oh, yeah. I think that's that's a rampant thing, you know, that we see people who just look like they are overwhelmed all the time uh, and just constantly doing things, and that seems to be correlated to their success. And it's not necessarily, you know, a cause of the success, but it may be the type of person that is always filling their plate with stuff to do may also be someone who ch- just has this habitual been like, chasing thing, you know. I've always been like that, and I got that from my dad. My, my dad and I always keep him busy. Like, yeah. if, if I'm, like, walking to somebody's house, I'm like, what can I do while I'm walking to the house to feel like I've gotten yeah. something done? I always have to have results, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. That's just my personality. And... I always have to get something done. It always has to be a net result of whatever it is I'm doing. That's why, like, Taylor always wants to go on hikes. I'm like, I don't want to go on a hike because it's I can't do anything on that hike. But it's that's me just being an idiot. The hike is really about spending time with my girlfriend and being, in, you know, just having some family time. But we always argue about that particularly. Yeah. Take your camera. Go, yeah. go photograph something and use that for inspiration. That way you're turning something that's... With your girlfriend into could be a future. That's a project. really that's a really good point because that has doing the vlogs has helped. I mean, I'm not like Casey, always like filming every single minute and you know turning everything into a learning moment. It's more I'm always getting beautiful B-roll and interesting B-roll. So when Taylor and I are out and about, that does help me passively feel like I'm getting something done. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm the same way in that like um, I'm always looking for ways to nest. Uh, tasks. So like, (laughs) this is okay. I'm, I'm pulling back the kimono a little bit here. If I go (laughs) to walk, if I'm like at my desk and I'm going to walk upstairs to get coffee, my first thought is, is there anything on this desk that I can pick up to take with me that needs to go upstairs? (laughs) And when I come back down, I look around at the stuff around the stairs. (laughs) Is there something (laughs) that needs to come back down? And so I will end up before I leave a room with a handful of stuff and I've picked and I've now listen this is me bearing my soul I pick things up in a way I will okay nobody else can see this but you two but I will pick things up like this the stacking order in my hand from my pinky to my thumb (laughs) is the way that I'm going to drop them off in the house and so I will and I don't think about it I don't obsess about this but like naturally I just pick things up in a way that I'm going to put them down so that I can carry a whole bunch of stuff and unload things on the way. Bob's got things between tri- his toes, too. <laughs> yeah. I make that one trip into, like, you know, a super productive little thing. So I think that, like, is a – I don't know if that – that's not bad, but I also know that that informs how I look at a week. Yeah. I don't think, like, should I build this thing on this day? It's like – I can build this thing, and while I'm waiting on the glue to dry for that thing, I can also be working on this thing, yep. and that has to be done before I put the glue on the next thing on the next day. You know, And so I take a few tasks and stack them, which is what I did with all of these projects over the next couple of months, right? But when the, the minutia of those will work themselves out, and because I've figured out or will figure out how to overlay them. But when I stand back and I look at all the stuff that's going to be done over the next couple of months, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. When you're like Overdid climbing the hill, <laughs> when you're like in the ditch climbing that hill and you don't want to step back and look at the whole facade, you're just climbing yeah. the hill. And uh, I, the way I solve a lot of that too is, uh, is I start the project because it's always a mental hurdle more than anything else. So I'll shoot the intro. I, Brett, Brett and I do this all the time. I'm like, you know what? By the end of the day, let's just shoot the intro for that. 
this way I know I could start a timeline on it. It's there. Sort of my to-do list is the timelines in the in the program where I edit iMovie. So that always helps. And that's the printing press movie, the little restoration video I've always I've been wanting to do. A couple weeks, like a week ago, I said to Brett, I go, let's just shoot the opening intro, gives Brett some creative input on shooting some beautiful opening scenes. And then it gets me knowing that, okay, now that video's started on that mm-hmm. project. And it's same thing with like, even with a project that's a non-video, it's like, okay, I got to make cabinets. Let me just cut all the wood to its rough shape. And then there's a pile there in the room. And that's like calling to me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. I walk by it every day. I'm like, don't forget me. And then that timeline's closing down. That, that deadline's <laughs> looming. And that little pile of cut up wood for the bullet signs is like, don't forget me. I'm still here. Don't forget me. Whereas if I didn't do that, I would just blow it off and it might even completely forget about it until it's too late. So yeah. just getting a project initiated is, is really what I'm saying, which helps me a lot. So if I have a lot to do, I'll initiate two or three of those projects and then they'll be around the shop or on the computer, and then I know that, okay. Mm-hmm. It almost alleviates the pressure, saying, okay, those are ready to go. Those will go. They go, f- Yeah, they go from, like, nothing to in progress, at least, which yeah. is something, yeah. A marathon is made of a bunch of steps, so make a couple steps. There you go. Um, all right, we got anything else on this? I don't want to beat a dead horse. <laughs> Baby steps, but, Bob. Baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. Uh, what about Bob? Cool. One of my well, favorites. Um uh, Wait, I have an update. I have an update. Oh. The whole time okay. we've been here, I've been trying to get a jury duty on my phone, and they said, you can't get out. It's too late. You should call Ooh. the number. Maybe you can get out if you speak to a person. <sighs> so there was a Sorry. website. Yeah. Uh, just so you just walk in and say something absolutely crazy as soon as you get in the door? That's how you get out of jury duty. They always cancel yeah, the night before. <laughs> then they I eat people. You. Just do that. And yeah. Be a jerk. I'll get tasered and handcuffed. That's right, yeah. <laughs> we're like, next Monday, we're like, Jimmy never showed up for the podcast. And uh, we get his one call from jail. <laughs> I don't know if you guys right. noticed my subtle joke this morning, but usually every Monday morning, about 8.40 or so, or eight, well, actually 8.50, Jimmy will text like 9.05 or 9 or 10. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're 9.01 this yeah. morning? yeah. Yeah. I, I said I, I was going to type in. I was going to text back 902. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and then we didn't start until like what, like 905. And I'm like, did I miss a text? Is my phone not working? <laughs> no, that, that was that was all me. My son was sick. I had to go pick him up at school. So Aww. I was running late. When the podcast He's started, fine. Bob had objects between every one of his fingers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the way to do a thing. Hold on. Yeah. All right. What have you guys been watching? Oh, no. Uh, I, I don't have anything, so I'm throwing it to you. I got one. I got one. Um, Good. I've been, as I, when I see a cool video now, I'll just throw it into my watch later list. So this is by Andy Phillip. He makes a globe out of wood. Uh, it's it's resin and wood. And there's some really, really cool techniques where he turns a ball. And while that ball is wow. on the lathe, he takes a palm router and routes out where the oceans are, then throws that ball into a, a round mold and fills it with resin and then sands it down and makes a globe. It's a really cool technique. That's crazy. Yeah. And I I picked up some tips that I I don't know how I'm gonna use them, but they're they're in my back pocket. So maybe maybe I can utilize that some somewhere down the road. But Sweet. it's really cool. That's awesome. 
All right, so I'm going through my list, and uh, the, the most videos I watched this week are from Lars Christensen, NYCNC, and Mechanical Advantage. And those three channels are all fusion-based learning. So if anybody wants to learn about fusion, I'll send you guys the links to that. And then, uh, so those three channels. And then also, Peter Kane, my dog trainer, is training Chippy to do retrieves, walk planks, do uh, opposite, what do they call it, reverse retrieve, where you give him a ball and you tell him to go put it somewhere. So I get Chippy back on February 18th, Monday. I guess it's a week from today. And it will be two months that he's had Chippy and he's trained him incredibly well. So Peter puts a video out every day. Peter's very eccentric. So he talks about training the dog, but he also talks about all this other crazy art stuff he does. Um, but check out Peter's, Peter Kane training my dog Chippy. It's going to be pretty interesting when we get him back. I'll do an interview with Peter and everything when uh, he comes back on Monday. Peter, I want to interview with Chippy. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah he taught Chippy how to speak human. So Chippy Sweet. speaks now. Oh, it's super cute. He he does these things. He does a he has a launcher, which is a you, it's like a, a it's 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 controlled by like a bullet shell, and it shoots this thing. It, it's supposed to be like a duck, so it shoots a duck. It's really just a prop, and he and the dog runs after it and comes back, and it's so funny to watch. Chippy's like all excited, but he has to stay still and. Until he gets the command to go and get it so he'll fire mm. it off and it'll shoot like 100 yards or maybe 20 yards and he has various charges which shoot it further and further for different sized dogs and then he says okay go and then he runs after it and brings it back it's it's really cute that's so. awesome if somebody could teach my dogs to speak i think one of the first questions i would ask is do frozen turds taste better than non-frozen turds because <laughs> <laughs> why why do you guys do that uh, is it like ice cream for Bring dogs? Here. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, you know it's know. ice cream for my dogs? Chicken, frozen chicken poop. It's all over the place. And they love it. They love it. I'll be walking them, and then all of a sudden the leash gets taught, and I look back, and they're like, hold on a minute. I'm just finishing eating this chicken poop. Hold on. <laughs> anyway, to go back a second, before the poop talk, um, I had our old lab, who we lost several years ago, but his name was Hammer, and we had a pool and a, and a diving board. And so he loved swimming. You know, he would, you could throw anything in the pool. He would jump in and get it. And if you jump in and went to the bottom, he would swim circles around you looking for you and stuff. But he did the same thing. Like with the launcher, we would get him on the diving board and make him sit. And then I would throw a tennis ball down the length of the pool and he would just, you could see he was just vibrating just like, oh, yeah, yeah. it's so bad. It was so bad. And, <laughs> and then you'd say go. And he would run and just launch himself about half the length of the pool. Oh, oh it was wow. super impressive. I mean, he was a big lab, but um, and he would just launch and just stay in the air forever and then run down and get that ball. It was awesome, though. It was so funny because he was just dying. His tail was just going crazy. Really yeah, good. you could see Chippy doing that, and it's really cute. So, the, And Peter's put out probably 25 videos in two months. So, hmm. yeah. um, so mine is Alex Steele, which everybody knows. Of I know. It's nothing, nothing new. But uh, he's making a vacuum chamber. Did you see this one? Mm-mm. No. So you were talking about uh, casting brass? You said brass, right? Yep. Yeah, so he's doing the same thing. He's doing lost wax casting. Okay. Um, so he's making a cavalry saber. Ca- yep. caval- <laughs> cavalry? Cavalry saber. Yep. And there's this detailing on the handle. So he's making this fancy handle, and part of the process is getting the investment and all this stuff. So he's making a vacuum chamber now as a way to eventually get to a sword, which is just crazy to me but it's awesome but it's funny because like a vacuum chamber is one of those things i would never consider making myself because i would just think 
without thinking about it too hard, I would just be like, oh, that's probably something that I couldn't do well enough to serve its purpose. Like I couldn't make something that would actually hold a vacuum. And he just jumped right into it. And he's like, makes this, I don't know, quarter inch steel box with like this giant acrylic top and gasket material. And it's really cool. And it works. It totally mm-hmm. works. So um, he's just always impressive to me because he just jumps headlong into everything he does. And it's he not relocated. Like he like left yeah. where he's been for many years and just immediately relocated to America. And he's up and running. Pretty amazing. Yep. It's amazing. Very, very. And I've been talking to him, trying smart. to get him to come to Maker Fair. Uh, oh, he hasn't cool. said yes yet, but I'm trying to get him there. So. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> anyway, but go check that video out because it's it's pretty cool in seeing that he's building a tool to be able to build a sword. It's also just really cool to see him. The vacuum chamber itself has welding and has metalworking in it, but it's more than that, you know. So it's it's just cool to see him like jamming things together and using gasket material and this and that. Um, yeah, so go check that out. All right, you guys got anything else? Mm, after show stuff. After show stuff. Lots of after show. If you are not a Patreon subscriber, that means you can't hear the after show. If you are a Patreon subscriber, then you can hear the after show, which we're going to go do right now. Um, everybody gets it at every level. But I want to thank our top supporters over there, especially Wise Old Al, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad for Mancrafting, Caleb Harris, Maker in Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, and Make Build Modify. Um, so anybody else that wants to jump on that group, we'd appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. And some of those people, at least a few, Jimmy and I will be seeing at WorkbenchCon later this month. Yep. I oh, and I, I, I did a double color print for postcards that I'm going to hand out at WorkbenchCon. I made 500 of them and I'm going to bring with me and just hand them out. They look good. I got like, one. Of, I really like I made the one, design of them. Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's my concept, but Brett came up with the final design. I'm, I've been giving Brett some stuff to do because I get bored of my own concepts. I'm like, it looks exactly like everything else I've done. And then I get mad at myself. Then I say to myself, why don't you do something better than that? What's wrong with you? And then myself says, why don't you just let Brett try it? <laughs> a lot of And then I say to myself, on. back off, self. And then I'm like, hey, you back off. And then I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and so Brett, Brett came up with that design and he encouraged me to do the two color prints. And I was like, let's do it. Let's try it. So Sweet. We were really happy with it. Yeah, it came out great. And uh, my, I'm looking right now to see my one on eBay. I put one. I put only one on eBay. The misprint. Okay, well, yeah, we can the tell misprint. the results of that in the after show. Yeah, it, drum roll. Cut to the after show. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll Thank see you next you. time. Thank you. Love you. Bye.